Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Motivation Burrito. I am your incredible host, Melissa, and I'm actually super excited about today's topic. But first, I just want to say that if you happen to hear music in the background, it is my brother's daily concert time. Um, And by that, I mean shower. And sometimes he has a tendency to play the music a little too loud. But my other brother did also say that I needed background music, um, which screw you. I love you, but screw you. Um, (laughs) I'm kidding. I love both my brothers, but one just has a tendency to play music at concert level and the other thinks I need background music. But I always thought that my voice was pretty cool and could stand on its own, but maybe that's just me. Anyway, I'm super excited about today's topic. I mentioned, I think a couple of weeks ago, that I was afraid to approach the topic of sex because it's not something that's widely talked about and it's also not something that's widely talked about by women. However, I'm not your typical podcast host as you are probably well aware by now. I mean, we are on the 29th episode and if you haven't caught a little bit of a glimpse of my personality, then you're not paying very much attention. With that said, I'm not your typical podcast host. Therefore, I think we're just going to talk about sex. So it also helps that I have a couple of friends who are sex coaches. And if you're wondering, yes, that is a thing. And um, sorry, once again, my allergies are bothering me. It's been one of those days and I was doing fine until after my run or walk, I should say. Um, Once I completed my walk, my allergies just kicked into high gear and now I'm stuffy and nasally and gross and I hate it. But that's where we are. So as I was saying, I have a couple of friends who are sex coaches and yes, that is a thing because a lot of people struggle with intimacy and you would think that intimacy and love are two things that people desire most. So why would they struggle with it? And there's a lot of reasons why. And I could go into several different topics. In fact, there is one in particular that I want to talk about today and It's not one topic, but this is part of the reason why I'm not sure if this is going to be a two-part episode or a one-part episode because I don't know which direction this is all going to go. But what I can tell you is that some of the information that I'm going to talk about is based off of a book called The Queen's Code. And in this book, it's, it provides a whole different perspective on men because in relationships, it's usually assumed that it's the women who are seeking the intimacy and women who are seeking that profound love and romanticism. And that's actually a little bit misleading or a lot misleading. And I'm going to go into that a little bit later. But the reason why I decided I want to talk about all of this today was because on Friday, I started talking about the topic of love. And there were four different types of love that I touched upon. And the lesson that I had learned on Friday was more in terms of universal love and spiritual love. But I have always been super fascinated by the Greek gods. And I have been just, it's it's been like something that I've just It was my favorite topic in high school. Like when we talked about Greek history and Greek religion and the Greek gods and all the things that they stood for, what they were known for, I just felt so drawn to that topic. And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the fascination of so many different entities having their hands and guidance in like one particular topic, you know, and it was that you didn't have to look to one God, you had options, which meant like, 
it took the pressure off, so to speak, you know, so maybe that's just me. But anyway, when I was talking about the different types of love, one of the things that popped up was Eros. And Eros is the Greek god of love. Most people know the Greek goddess Aphrodite, or also known as Venus. And so when you think of Greek gods and goddesses and you think of love, a lot of people forget about Eros and they just refer to Aphrodite. But Eros was more so in terms of passionate and physical desire. Um, And a lot of the times this led to feelings of confusion. Um, So in, in a quote about Eros, it says that he loosens the limbs and weakens the mind. So it was more like a giving into the physical uh, desire and giving into the physicality of love rather than the romanticism uh, that we know Aphrodite to be a part of. So it's really interesting when, when you think of the contrast, right? So yeah, so actually there's a little segment here about Aphrodite and I'm going to take a look at that. Yeah. So there's a slight contrast, right? So Aphrodite is known for the love, the pleasure, the beauty of it, the passion, and also she was the goddess of procreation. So even though they both had their hands in passion, Aphrodite was more on an intimacy level, right? Like it was probably more towards the side of just that spiritual connection. Whereas Eros was like, nah, I'm going to hit you with the physical. Like we are talking bodies on bodies. We're talking everything that has to do with mind and spirit goes out the window. And it's just a pure attraction of two physical beings colliding together. Doesn't that sound awesome? Holy shit. I made that sound really, really good. So that's Eros. I have this perfume from a spiritual shop that I frequent and it's actually called Eros and I will tell you it smells really good and now I'm curious because I want to see what's in it. I don't remember what exactly she put in it so let's take a look see and while we're doing that and pulling that information up The reason why I wanted to talk about this is because the original intention of today's podcast was a little bit of a continuation of Friday. It was going to be about, you know, love in the terms, in in that romantic sense. And I was going to call today's episode Love, Sex, and Personality Tests because I have spent the last four years deep in the personal development world. Like I'm talking, I have taken so many different tests. I've taken the love language test. I've taken the erotic blueprint. I've taken my archetype test. I've taken, you know, obviously I know my basic astrology, but I I dove a little bit deeper into it and I, I found out my birth chart and I found out that I am a Scorpio sun with a cancer moon, which makes me highly emotional charged emotionally charged and still very passionate and um, very, yeah, very love oriented, basically. So the reason why I was going to talk about those personality tests, because they have all shaped me. And again, this, this has literally been just exploration of my true self of all the things that make up Melissa I've I've spent the last four years exploring but when I started to look up some of the information and I started to like look up the qualities of each of these things I realized that the personality test fit to a certain degree but what it was reflecting was 
that love and passion that I desire. But again, I'm not going to make this episode totally about me because I do want to get to the erratic blueprint part because I think that is the most fun part of today's episode. If you haven't taken the erratic blueprint quiz, I highly suggest that you do. Um, Hold on one second. Sorry, I really just had to blow my nose and get that one out. Um, Eros, Eros, Eros perfume. Maybe I should do this. Uh, All. Okay, cool. So I'm going to start with the love languages because in order to kind of go to the erotic blueprint, I really want to start with the easy stuff. Because if I hit you with the erotic blueprint right away, I'm giving you all the good stuff. And we all know that I kind of have, I'm dramatic. Let's basically put it that way. We all know that I'm dramatic and I kind of have to like take you on a journey. I can't just be like, hey, here's your erotic blueprint. Here are the qualities. Like, let's have fun. I'm going to take you on a journey. I'm going to make you wait. And we're going to sweat a little bit because if I'm telling you, if you have not taken the erotic blueprint quiz, you are going to want to when you're done with this. Um, I took it and it's actually pretty interesting because the love language and erotic blueprint are similar, but there is one difference between the two. And I'll explain it when I get to what my results were. And I found the Eros perfume. Um, Ooh, check this out. So the Eros perfume was actually part of an erotic love set that she offered on her website. Um, Obviously, it was inspired by the Greek god of love, Eros, and she designed it with the intention of conjuring powerful sexual attraction and desire. And I think I'm going to take it out of the box really quickly because I want to play with this while I'm recording this. Um, And again, you will see why. So I'm going to explain what Eros is, and then I'm going to take a quick break because I actually want to grab the perfume. And yeah, again... I'm, I'm getting there. I promise you. So Eros perfume, what she says is it possesses a fragrance that is absolutely intoxicating. The main note in Eros is jasmine, but there are two different types. Uh, and she extracted these from Tunisia, which, oh, she also extracted notes of pure rose from Tunisia and pure labdanum from the Middle East. So overall, it's got a very complex and seductive tone to it. And it's very like, when I wear it, I'm telling you, it just smells so good and so enticing. But again, that's just me. I'm going to take a quick break, gonna grab that perfume. And I'm going to talk about why I wanted to have it when I do this podcast with you. So I will be right back. Well, guess what? We now have a somewhat unhappy Melissa because I just went to look for my Eros perfume and it is gone. And I'm not sure why it was gone or why I decided to throw it away. The only reason I could think of for throwing away Eros was that it had a leak. And so I probably got rid of it because the bottle was leaking. And um, that makes me very upset. However, I did find a substitute that we're going to use for this episode. And again, I will explain why when we get to the erotic blueprint part, but for now, Ooh, oh my God, this smells so good. Um, for now, I'm going to put this on and we're going to have a little mini party. Um, and by that, I just mean I'm going to have a little mini party because I'm super excited. Okay, so what I have brought in lieu of Eros is something called Juicy Mango. And the Juicy Mango perfume that she created is 
another sexy blend of perfume, but this one was more of like an aphrodisiac and holy shit, this smells so good. <gasps> okay. So what Juicy Mango has is obviously the top note is mango fragrance, but it is also mixed with essential oils of Damiana, Lang Lang, ginger, and cardamom, which are all aphrodisiacs and they help raise your body temperature and kind of ignite that in a fire. So I went and I got me some juicy mango so that we can kind of get into the energy of today's live and sex topic. Um, oh man, I'm so distracted right now. Not even. Whew. Oh my God, this is so great. Um, I think this was a terrible idea, actually. It was probably like the greatest idea and like the worst idea all at once. Because, uh, my God, this is really distracting. Okay, we're going to start with the love languages. Because if I continue on with this route, um, you're will never get to the erotic blueprint. And like I said, that was pretty much the the point that I'm, I want to get to. So do I want to start with the love languages or do I want to start with the queen's code? Yeah, let's do love languages because love, the love languages are basic. So when I started taking all of these quizzes, one of the things that I was struggling with the most in that time was relationships. And obviously, I mean intimate relationships. Um, I had just come out of two back-to-back scenarios where the person that I was with left me. The first one just actually like up and left, like got on a plane, moved all the way across the country and did so without a word, without a goodbye, without saying like, hey, I can't do this or hey, um, I'm making a decision to leave New York because cost of living is better and blah, blah, blah. So on the surface, the original decision for that person to move was financial based. He wanted his own place. He wanted a new job. He wanted to just kind of like start pursuing his dreams on his terms. And he knew that he couldn't do that in New York. So he moved across the country. But beneath the surface, he had a whole lot of intimacy issues. Our relationship had kind of progressed in a direction where I needed him to be more open. I needed him to be like to communicate a little more. He had basically taken to taken it to a level where he finally said, I love you. And so when he crossed that level, when he crossed that plane and pretty much like deepened that connection, I don't, I don't think he had fully prepared himself for what comes after that and for what comes next. And I'm not saying that he had a responsibility in the relationship at, at that point, but what it did was it created a deeper connection and also deeper needs for me because now it's kind of like, I, I needed I needed him to be more present. I needed him to be more open. I needed him to express himself a little bit more because that was a huge step. And I set it back. So obviously, I felt like our relationship was going in a more serious direction. And I think when he came to that realization, it freaked him out. And he just wasn't ready, <laughs> which sucks. Um, especially since he's, again, started it. Um, so yeah, so that was that one. After that relationship, I was super vulnerable. And the next person that I dated was emotionally abusive and took advantage of the fact that somebody had pretty much abandoned me and left me feeling like I just wasn't worth staying around for. That you know, that person chose themselves over me and that I was just um, 
that I made it hard, you know, like I, it, it felt to me like he didn't feel safe enough to express himself, that he didn't feel safe enough to open up. Um, and I was like, so what didn't I do to make him feel like he could talk to me? What didn't I do to make him feel like he could open up to me? And so the person that I dated after took advantage of all of those things and all of those feelings that I was having and kept on reiterating the fact that I was difficult to love. So um, just that manipulation and really like pounding this idea in my head that I was just so hard to love, it just pretty much destroyed my outlook on relationships and that's why for the past four years, I haven't really put time and effort into dating because I needed to find myself again and I needed to find that security and I needed to find that self-worth in myself before I could even think about opening up to another man. And not only that, the trust had been broken. I stopped trusting men completely based on the experiences of two of them. And some people will say, well, obviously you were doing something wrong because they both left you, but I disagree. I think that to a certain extent, yes, that's true. If you have back-to-back-to-back relationships that fail, then you have to look within yourself and be like, okay, what am I doing and what am I not doing? But in this case, there was just one person who was just clearly toxic to begin with. So that was no reflection of me whatsoever. All it was was that I was vulnerable and an easy target for that person. But for the one before him, there was nothing that I could have done to make anything feel safe for him because I actually reconnected with him a year ago. And he even said that to me. He said that to this day, that has not changed about him. And he is still very much closed off to a lot of people. And even though he's in a relationship with somebody, he's still, there are certain things that he won't talk about. There are certain things that um, he will not commit to. And there, he still has this fear of opening up too deeply. So, so weird. So ultimately I came to the realization that in this instant, even though I still wanted to look within myself because I still wanted to make sure that when I do let somebody in again, there is this space of honesty and vulnerability. Like those were the absolute requirements, like number one and number two, I need my person to be honest or open and honest. And I need them to be vulnerable. Like I need them to be able to express themselves, to communicate, um, and to really just let me in. But in order to do that, I have to me- I I also have to make them feel safe enough to do that. So that part is on me. I have to. I I needed to work on that aspect of myself in order to ensure that. The person that I'm going to be with always feels like they can be open and honest and vulnerable. But at the same time, that shouldn't be my burden. They should automatically do that on their own. So what essentially is needed in the relationship that I'm looking for is that person needs to have the capacity or needs to already practice honesty and vulnerability. And I have to do the same. I have to be honest and vulnerable. I have to be true to my self-expression. And this podcast has been massively healing to allow me to do that. And that's my spiel on that. So like I said, the past four years have just been a ton of self-discovery. And one of the things that I, or one of the tests that I took was my love language because I wanted to know in my next relationship, what were the ways that my partner could communicate to me that they love me in a way that I would understand and be able to receive it without deflecting it or without um, rejecting it and making them feel 
rejected in any way. So my love language is words of affirmation. That is my primary love language. And so words of affirmation are things like, oh, you look great or great job. And, you know, like, um, you look beautiful today or just, you know, things that make me feel good about myself. Um, so that is my primary love language. I have a secondary love language, um, and that is quality time. And quality time is obviously the time that you spent with somebody, whether it's doing hobbies or just talking, having conversations. It is that connection between two people in a time and space. The other love languages are acts of service, receiving gifts, and physical touch. And what I found is that a lot of the times you can have a love language that is how you receive love, but people also forget that there are ways that you show love to others. And I realized that my language in the way that I showed love to others was a little bit different. So the one thing that I did, there's two things actually that I did. The first was acts of service. I was very much, what do you need? What can I do for you? How can I help you today? Um, this also has to do with like my upbringing because for my parents who are traditional and Hispanic parents, chores were basically like a way of taking responsibility to help your parents, you know? So it was kind of like, it was almost an expectation of you should want to help them by doing chores, by taking some of the burden and taking some of the work off of their hands. So acts of service was something that was ingrained into me early on. So anytime I saw somebody who needed assistance or who needed something done, I would always step up and say, how can I help you? Or like, let me get that for you. Or let me do this for you today. And then the other way that I would show affection was gift giving. And both of these things were people-pleasing responses. So because I wanted people to accept me, I used these methods as a way to gain their trust and acceptance. But that's not everybody's love language, but that's what I was showing. That was how I showed it to people. So I would give gifts like, you know, like if I saw somebody or if I knew somebody liked chocolate and they were having a rough day, I would like go to the vending machine and I would get them like their favorite chocolate or their favorite snack and I would leave it at their desk. Just little things like that, like little gifts. Or if I went shopping for like my parents or my brothers and I saw something that reminded me of them, I would buy it for them and it would be like their little random just because gift. And again, these were people-pleasing methods that I had adapted because I wanted that acceptance again. So not exactly healthy, but those were the ways that I showed affection. Um, but now I'm more aware and in tune and there are people who are willing to share what their love languages are. So instead of just imposing the way that I thought I needed to show love, I began to ask people how they want to receive love. And it's amazing because not only does it open up the conversation between two people, but again, it builds that trust and people feel appreciated that you're asking them what works best for them. So it really is just an all around great way to make sure that people receive the love that they need versus the love that you're trying to impose or give to them. Um, so that's why I kind of like really started to love the love languages and enjoy them a little bit more. Um, so that is the basics and the one of one, the 101 of love languages. Um, hold on one second, because I'm going to pull up something else now.
Let's see, let's see. All right, also, I have to send out this message real quick. This is really rude. Uh, okay. All right, cool. Uh, now we're gonna get to the fun part. Hold on, that's not working. I'm trying to get this open. Technical difficulties. Okay. All right, cool. Now the fun part. So, in continuing on with my personal development journey, I decided to take an take it to the next level so here's the thing when you're talking about love and relationships the one thing that i always said that is super important well there's two things actually so here's here's my take and here's my perspective on love and relationships and how they start and what happens as much as I hate to say it because it often gives like this perception of being shallow. The first thing that stands out in any love connection is physical attraction, right? When you see somebody in a bar or when you meet somebody like at a gas station or online and you're, cause everything is probably, well, things are still virtual now that they're transitioning back to a little bit more normal. It's still, we're living in a semi-virtual world where everything is like dating apps and, um, you know, online dating. So when you're looking at these apps and you're looking at the men in these apps or you're looking at, you know, somebody, a potential partner in these apps, the first thing you see is their face, right? Let's be honest. So you see their face and you notice immediately their physical features. You notice their eyes, you notice some people have nice hair, you notice their jawline, their structure, like their facial structure, is it symmetrical? You know, do they have like more defined features? Um, you notice their physical body type, you know, are they tall and lean? Are they athletic? Are they a little bit more slender? Do they got a little extra on them? And these are actually things that you put in when you're describing yourself too. So don't think I'm being shallow and saying like, oh, like she's trying to say some people are fat. No, these are literally what it says when you enter like the parameters on how to describe yourself. So the first thing you always notice is it's physical. You notice the physical being of the person. And so that is like, again, the surface of everything. And then you go, and once, you know, if, if they are physically appealing to you, and I'm pretty sure that there's a science around this too. Um, in fact, I think there is an app now that recognizes um, potential partners based on what you find aesthetically appealing. And that's what I was trying to look for and I couldn't find it. So that's why I just went back to the erotic blueprint part. But I'm pretty sure that there was a science around physical attraction and why our brains or some people's brains are wired to notice certain features first. So like for me, the first thing that I notice is a person's eyes. Why I'm drawn to eyes first, I don't know. Maybe it's because I believe that the eyes are the window to the soul, or maybe it's because I just um, believe in eye contact. And I also use that as a form of communication. It could be a lot of things, but in general, I tend to notice a person's eyes first. And yes, I am a fan of symmetry and facial symmetry, but it's not the end all be all. Um, I also have a tendency to gravitate towards a certain type. And even though I'm a little bit flexible, it is very prominent in my partner selection, 
I guess. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, but I, again, I'm pretty sure that there was a whole science about that, though. Um, sorry. I mean, damn it. Okay, I'm not even going to try and look for it anymore. Because if I do, I'll just go down a rabbit hole and then it'll bother me. So, like I said, physical attraction. That is the first thing that people have a tendency to notice. From the physical attraction, you start to get to know the person, right? Do they have the qualities that you're looking for in a mate? Um, do they know how to speak to your love languages? Do they know how to communicate? Like, these are the things or whatever your things are, you start to get to know the person. And if there is still potential, then you start to pursue more and more things. Now, this is where people stop talking about the thing and they stop having the conversation because it's still very hard for people to admit that sex is super important in the relationship and great sex is even more important in the relationship because again eros is the god of physical connection when you're talking about connecting with people there are so many levels and i'm pretty sure i talked about this that i had a belief that you connect with person with a person <clears throat> on the physical level, mental level, spiritual level, emotional level. So there are levels to this entire state of attraction between two people. And sex is so important because what people forget is that sex is just not a reproductive action between two people. It is not just, oh, hey, like here's intercourse, we're gonna make babies, or you know, like this is just part of the relationship. There is, or there can be, such a level of profound intimacy if you allow yourself to receive all that sex has to offer. And I will fucking say that again. There is a profound level of intimacy that sex has to offer or that sex has if you allow yourself to receive what it has to offer, all right? And this is where the erotic blueprints start to come in. But before I even get to that, let me explain why I believe so strongly in being open to receive that level of intimacy. For great sex, and I mean sex of the mind-blowing kind, the one that hits you from every single nerve ending in your body, the one that makes you feel like just completely ignited from inside out. So when I say profound, I mean profound. I mean like heart-stopping, body-tingling, enlightenment, type of profoundness like that is what it has the capacity to give you if you are open to receive that and y'all are gonna be like yo what the hell um <laughs> sorry you're not gonna love me after this one anyway so i believe in this wholeheartedly, like wholeheartedly. And for me to believe it means I've experienced it. So you're welcome. You're so welcome. The intimacy level is where a lot of people struggle. And this is where I'm going to take it to the Queen's Code really, really quickly. And I'm taking it for this one particular line and we're probably going to talk about the Queen's Code in a separate episode because um, I really do want to get into the erotic blueprint and why I chose the Juicy Mango and why I needed it. 
seeking intimacy is something that, again, we think is what women only do or that what women are capable of. We never, and it's so misleading because it's like, oh, intimacy is a female thing. Intimacy is something that women want. And like I said earlier in this episode, that is a very misleading statement. In the Queen's Code, and I do want to get a guy's opinion eventually so that they can either confirm it or, you know, let me know if that's not entirely true. But in the Queen's Code, they said that seeking intimacy is part of a man's nature and that by nature, men regard women with love and trust, seeking intimacy and to cherish them. So here is why opening that door to intimacy is so important. It's not only important on an emotional level. When you open that door to intimacy, like you're connecting with that person and they are trusting you to keep their heart safe, right? Like, you know, in the romantic aspect of the relationship, if a woman allows herself to be intimate with you, it's because she trusts you. She trusts you to see her. She trusts you to cherish her, to keep her safe, to keep her, um, you know, to uplift her. She trusts you with her, her mind. She trusts you with her heart. She trusts you with her soul. But can she trust you? with her body, especially since women can be so self-critical and so self-judgmental of their own physical bodies. So to achieve that level of that sexual intimacy, she has to trust you with her body. But not only that, you have to trust her with yours. And I know a lot of men might think it's weird, but some of them might get it. It is a level of trust because think of the physical or think of the literal sense of the word, right? When you are intimate with someone and we're talking about, again, true intimacy, you're naked, right? Like you're naked. You're physically naked. Clothes are off. You're standing body to body. You're seeing all of that physical person. And they're seeing all of you. So to be able to trust each other, to see beyond the physical, to see all the layers that I've talked about, the emotional, the mental, the soul, the physical, to see all of that creates that level of true sexual intimacy. Isn't it so good and so yummy? Okay. Now, the erotic blueprint. And I might have to take another quick pause because I'm using the desktop app again and it only does 30 minutes at a time. So I'm going to um, pause it and come back and we're going to talk about the erotic blueprint finally. All right. The moment you've all been waiting for. The erotic blueprint. I'm like super excited about this because first of all, like I said, I love me some talk about sexual intimacy and just really great sex. Oh my God. I'm not trying to say too much because there, again, are people who listen to this podcast that probably are going to be like, what in the hell, Melissa? Like, a little too much or TMI, thank you. But here's the thing. Yo, great sex in a relationship is like so, so, so invigorating and it just ignites like the fire within you. And yo, it changes your mood. It changes your state of being. It changes just so much. The amount of endorphins that get released from just great sex. Like you're not only talking about the physical activity of it, 
Because, yeah, if you want to get scientific, sex burns calories. And obviously, when you exercise, you release endorphins and all of that stuff and serotonin. And obviously, you release cortisol because you're eliminating stress and whatnot. But when you're talking about, again, that profound, amazing, super connected, super intimate sexual contact you're talking about somebody like making love to the depths of your damn soul and that shit is fucking fantastic so erotic blueprint there are five different types in the erotic blueprint just like there are five different types in the love languages but here's the great part of the erotic blueprint you can be a combination of two different types. So I bet y'all want to know why I needed to get me some juicy mango. It has to do with my erotic blueprint. I am, actually, let me give you the different types and then you'll you'll probably be able to figure it out. So the types are energetic, sensual, sexual, kinky, and shapeshifter. Now, based on the conversation that I've been having, you're probably like, oh, she is so energetic. Nah, I'm actually not. (laughs) My erotic blueprint is sensual kinky. Oh, hell yeah. That's what I am. And this is why I needed Juicy Mango, or I wanted to bring Juicy Mango to play today. Because... We're going to start with the sensual type because, again, I'm trying to explain why I decided to snag a little juicy mango. It still smells so good. It smells like... It smells like pouring melted candy all over somebody's body. Okay. Yep, I said it. Here we go. Um, Fantastic. You guys are really going to see like a whole nother level and you're going to listen to this episode and be like, yo, she is wild. So for a sensual erotic blueprint, everything is obviously all about the senses. And for me, aside from being able to see a person's physical features, which is what initially attracts me to them, I believe that my second most prominent sense is my sense of smell. Hence why I brought out the juicy mango. If a guy is wearing an amazing cologne, I don't have to get very close from them. I have a very keen sense of smell. So I don't have to get like super, super close to them. But if I get close enough, just close enough to where I can smell their cologne and it has notes in it or a fragrance that I find to be obviously arousing and appealing, yo, the fire starts going. Like, I am just like, who is that and why does he smell so delicious and can I have him? Like, you want to talk about the phrase, a snack? I'm, I'm literally like, yo, bring that person here. So that is my second most prominent sense. The superpower, and I'm going to go to the super, I'm I'm also going to talk about the superpowers and why these erotic blueprints are so awesome because each one of them is special and in their own way. So the superpower of a sensual person is full body orgasms and orgasms from sensual experiences. So you're talking, like I said, the scent of someone's perfume or cologne can start a mini orgasm. A simple touch or a long touch or a caress can start a mini orgasm. And it's like, if, if you're like... If you're a sensual person, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're not a sensual person, you may not understand the profoundness of what just a a loving caress or like a gentle caress down your side or like a gentle caress down your like the small of your back or just 
little things like that can just really get like a a sensual person going. The kinky aspect, the superpower of a kinky is they're very creative and it's endless playfulness. So they're always coming up with like ideas to make the bedroom a little bit more playful. So some of their turn-ons are like naughtiness, the forbidden or the judged, playfulness, exploration, you know, again, toying with new ideas. Um, So I'm going to describe really quickly something that could easily be turned from sensual to kinky when it comes to what my erratic blueprint is. Hair, right? So let's say I'm having an interaction with somebody and they kiss me and like, you know, they stroke my hair or here's a good one. When I was little, my mom used to put me to sleep by like rubbing my head. Like it was just, I don't know why, but it's still something to this day that if you rub my head or just like gently massage my scalp, bro, I'm out like a light bulb, like instant, just relaxation. And I would probably be out in just a few seconds. So like when you're leaning on the more intimate side of things, if you're doing like that gentle massage or dental stroking of my hair, I'm hooked in sensually. Give it a little tug. Now you got a little bit of kink going on and it's like, all right, let's start the party. (laughs) Okay. Um, Again, sorry, folks. The other blueprints are energetic. So the superpowers of an energetic person. And again, this is what I was talking about with like that profound sense, like sexual intimacy. I'm like really in love, like loving this topic. So superpowers are orgasms without touch. Yeah. Can you imagine like just being in a person's strong, energetic presence and having like an instant orgasm and just like falling to your knees kind of connection? So good. Um, Deep connection, intimacy, altered states, and just like intuitiveness. Um, So those are the superpowers. And then like they're turned on by one's presence or like, you know, the space between the two people. But, yo, energy is wild. When I say energy is everything, I mean it. Energy can literally be everything. The... Next one is sexual. And the sexual the sexual erotic blueprint is basically the eros of it, right? It's the physical. So their superpower is that they're super fun and easy to please, and they usually can orgasm very easily. And they're turned on by the physical, by literal naked bodies and the actual act of sex. That's their turn on. So naked body, they're ready to go. Um, The act of sex or even the idea or thought of sex, they're ready to go. So it does make the sexual type a little bit easier to kind of like seduce if you want to use that word. Mm -hmm. And then you have the shapeshifter. The shapeshifter is the one who could be all. Or any. The shape shifter can experience orgasms and pleasure in many different ways and feels what all the other blueprints feel. So basically, again, they could be all of them. And they're turned on, obviously, by the variety of turn-ons through all the other blueprints. They also like adventure, lots of sensation. They like shifting between the blueprints. They like discovering and exploring. So the shapeshifter could be energetic. The shapeshifter could be sensual. The shapeshifter could be energetic and sensual. The shapeshifter could be all of them at once. Um, And then again, it goes for each individual person. You could be purely energetic. You could be 
energetic and sensual. You could be sexual and kinky, or in my case, sensual and kinky. You could be sensual and sexual. Um, so it almost feels like there's no limit to the erotic blueprint. But again, everybody has a type that they are more of. And in my case, it's definitely sensual, as you are able to tell. And like I said, this juicy mango is so good and so distracting, but so good. So I'm going to wrap this up today and leave you with that. If you have not, I highly recommend you take the quiz to find out your erratic blueprint. And I want people, and I mean it this time, like a lot of people don't really give me feedback and a lot of people don't, you know, reach out to me on Facebook, but I really want people to reach out to me because I'm curious. I'm curious as to how many people really are open to discovering this part of themselves. And I really think that we need to open the conversation a little bit more about sex and intimacy. And I, I think it needs to be explored more in relationships. And I think it needs to be taken a little bit more seriously too. Um, I, it, it's funny because when I hear men talk about it, when I hear men talk about sex, like, you know, it's easy for them and it just, they just have no problems around it. But I, I wonder how many of them talk about it on the surface but how many of them desire that more intimacy behind it? And I'm curious to know, like, when they talk about sex, do, do their minds start going and they start thinking about, you know, like, that craving, that intimacy and that connection with someone? So I've always wondered. I've always wondered why it's so easy for them to talk about it and why it's so hard for women to talk about it. Um but like I said, we do need to have more conversations around it. And so I got y'all started and I hope I made it at least a little bit more fun. But again, I am a firm believer in profound sexual intimacy and I experienced it briefly, but I do want to experience it in the capacity of fully trusting somebody like I mean 1000% trust and that is just you know something that is a topic for me and said person to discuss when I find that person and I hope that they're open to it because again it goes both ways you know it's not just me that would need to be open to that level of intimacy I would hope that my partner would be too because it really would enhance our connection and it would definitely make it more profound and um I'm not saying it would be the only thing because again you want to make sure you have common goals and there's you know the relationship is um a good relationship but I do think that it is important and it does um, it does require two people to be open to it and it does require the two people to be trusting and opening and open to receiving that level of intimacy so it's definitely a goal of mine or an intention that I would want in my partner so that's what I have for today and again I encourage everybody to find out their erotic blueprint and let me know what you think about today's topic. Um, I'm super, super curious, like really curious. You can find me on the Motivation Burrito podcast on Facebook and hit me up there. And again, I, I'm really excited for you guys to not only listen to this episode, and even if you don't share with me, discover it for yourselves, discover it for yourselves, discover it for your partner, discover it for your future partner, but definitely discover it within yourself so that you start opening the doors to allow somebody to give that to you, to allow somebody to provide you with that experience. It's definitely something that connects that can connect two people deeper for sure. <laughs> Pun not intended. Um, 
But yeah, have fun with it. Take the quiz if you want or do a little research, do a little digging. Um, And I hope you all get some fantastic results. And I hope that it opens the door to some really, really, really great sex for all of you. And with that, I bid you good day. And you have listened to The Motivation Burrito. Thank you for listening. I love each and every one of you and have a fantastic day.